This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. Here at Fox, I get to work with some extraordinary people. Being a talented reporter is impressive, but one of my colleagues has a unique story of perseverance and pursuing the American dream. I'm excited to bring on Aisha Hosni. Today is my guest. So Aisha, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Joey. Thanks for having me on. It's so nice of you. So I guess you're, are you in D.C. now? I am. I'm actually sitting at on Capitol Hill. <laughs> How so is if you that? hear an echo, it's because I'm in a rotunda. <laughs> I know that. I know that rotunda pretty well. I used to work up in the Cannon House office building. So, okay, um, that's great. So, what's it like being in DC as a as a I guess you would call it a reporter or a correspondent for Capitol Hill? Yeah, it's been it's been quite a learning experience. I feel like I'm learning a brand new language, right? I mean, I went from covering hurricanes and the southern border and crime waves and COVID to um, all the you know back and forth between Republicans and Democrats and reconciliation and parliamentarians and <laughs> a lot of things that I think the average person doesn't really follow or get. And so my job is really to try to, um, you know, help people at home understand what people on Capitol Hill are doing that are eventually going to um, impact their lives. So it's been it's been a really neat experience. And I'm meeting a lot of people and it's been fun so far. But as you know, it started off with a bang, you know, when um, obviously we had that troop withdrawal from Afghanistan and um, that was the first big story that I covered here. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a wild roller coaster. So, yeah, that's I guess you would call that trial by fire. You really had to hit the ground running, <laughs> um, so to speak. And um, I guess, you know, hearing you explain where you were just a year ago to where you are now, it's like you've mm-hmm. gone from natural disaster to the true man-made disaster that is politics. Is that kind of what you've done? <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's so funny because I feel like, um, no matter where I am, there's always, um, chaos. (laughs) And I think that over the years I've just become best suited to respond to chaos. Um, I I don't like being in an office. I don't like, um, you know, a desk job. I've always, this is why I got into journalism. It was because I just didn't want to be bored. I wanted to be doing something new every day, learning something new every day. I wanted to challenge. And I think that Fox has given me um, the perfect opportunity for that. Every day is a challenge. And, and I just love it. I thrive in it. You know, I know you're good at your job. I've, I've watched you for, for years uh, and we've got a, had a chance to work together actually on the weekends from time to time. But, yeah. you know, I haven't had a chance to have this talk publicly, but it's something I've observed myself professionally. And it seems like when you're a journalist, especially when you're a reporter or a correspondent, and your job is to go in and get the story and get comments from people, it's almost like you have to be comfortable being completely uncomfortable, like throwing out all Mm -hmm. social formalities and Mm -hmm. making the story the most important thing. How do you mentally prepare for that? Or how do you get into that mindset? Well, I had really a great um, experience you know, being an investigative reporter for 15 years. I've been in TV for 15 years now. And in every market that I've worked in in local TV, I was an investigative reporter. So that really taught me, you know, um, how to cut through the BS. <laughs> and um, one, and then two, really, I hate to put it this way, but not to trust everyone. Um, and just to always look for what's hidden and um, to, to be brave and to ask questions that nobody else is asking. And so I'm quite comfortable 
you know, being in a pack of reporters and asking the question that nobody else wants to ask or is too afraid to, or, um, you know, maybe it doesn't fit the agenda. Um, so I think, I think that's why I'm here. I think maybe that's why Fox sent me here, but, um, I, I think that is real journalism, right? It's so easy to just, you know, repeat whatever message a politician is saying. Um, you know, they may say it with a straight face and, um, really believe what they're saying, but that's, it's not my job to be there press secretary or their PR person. It's my job to question everything, you know, to have a contrarian view of everything that anyone says, no matter how they politically align themselves. Um, I, I am here to dig and search for the truth, um, no matter what that outcome is. Do you find it that you become jaded to politics and, and start to think, well, you know, they're kind of all full of crap? Or do you find it that you're <laughs> still able to keep an open mind and say, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not fully in line with any of them, but they're doing good work or somewhere in between. How, how do you land on your personal kind of feelings? Yeah. It? I think, I think I've gone through the jaded phase. Um, I definitely went through that early on in my career. Um, because you do see, you kind of do see behind the curtain a little bit and you do realize that no matter, um, how people represent themselves or, you know, you know, they could be presenting themselves as really clean cut. And, you know, I tell the truth all the time and this is, these are my values, but you really don't know what's going on you know, behind the scenes until everything blows up. Um, I remember early, early in my career, I, um, was so new and, and, and just so green. Um, but I got a tip that there was a congressman who was having a, an affair and wasn't good and he got caught. And, and I remember going to my, um, you know, newsroom and, and telling them about it, you know, saying we should, we should cover this and we should dig into this. And everyone told me, um, there's no way that's true. I mean, this guy is, you know, so clean cut and, and he would never do anything like this. And they just sort of like brushed it aside. And, um, would you know about three or four days later, Fox news wound up breaking the story <laughs> and I was so angry. Um, and, and so I feel like it's kind of a full circle moment that I'm here at Fox news now, but, um, I was so angry because I just remember thinking nobody believed it because they fell for the image. And, um, that was my real first lesson in, in just never buying what anyone's selling and really just, you know, doing my own work to figure out what's actually happening. No, it's, you know, I think you, we could wrongly label it as an opti as a pessimist point of view, but I think it's more just a realist point of view. I mean, it, you know, I guess to go back to that question is like, um, there's still folks, I guess that, um, that can win us over, but for someone like you, it takes more than just an image or a narrative to win you over. Right. Right. It does. And, and I think it also speaks to my personal life too. You know, I, I've just learned over the years, um, to really lean on God. I mean, my faith is so important, Joey, you know that. And, um, you know, in all aspects of my life, even personal, I, I always, my, my favorite prayer is clarity. I always ask for clarity when I'm not sure about certain things. And I'll tell you what, when you, when you pray for that, God really reveals everything. And, um, you know, and that's, and that's really why I'm here. You know, I, I just want to be a vessel, uh, for whatever it is, um, that's going to bring the best outcome. And I always, I always believe that the, the truth is always the best outcome. 
No, absolutely. It's it's just happens to be the hardest, but I guess that's why you lean on your faith. Yeah. When you can't when you can't trust um, maybe people, I think I think God comes in and helps in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. So, what's been the most surprising thing working on Capitol Hill? I know you haven't been there very long, but you've definitely had a lot of work since you've been there. <laughs> um. You know, the surprising thing is just how long, well, it might not be surprising, I guess everyone's used to hearing this, but just how many um, steps it takes to get anything done. And you really can't blame lawmakers for it entirely because it is the process, right? There is a process, a way Congress works. And, you know, we've been talking about this, gosh, darn it, this reconciliation bill for, I feel like, months now, you know, it's just, you know, all the time. And I'm sure people at home are wondering, like, okay, where are we at now in this process? Like, what? I thought you y'all were voting on it. Now what? You know, now it's back to the drawing board. And so there is a process and um, it is, you know, frustrating sometimes. But I would say that was probably the most surprising thing to me, um, just not knowing a ton, not being an expert on, you know, how Capitol Hill works. But now that I'm here and, you know, in the throes of everything, I, I do have respect for the way our government works. But then I also understand the frustration. <laughs> From, you know, um, just normal Americans that are just wondering, like, why it takes forever to get anything done here. No, and that's, you know, that is the constant argument, right? Is it, you know, the rebuttal is like, well, it's supposed to take a lot of time and work because when they do something, it changes your life. But sometimes the something that that needs to be done is really simple and it's correcting something that was done wrong before. And so there's there's room for both, you know, And, and I'm with you. I'm an optimist. I worked on Capitol Hill. I am a pessimist with individuals, but an optimist with the system. And uh, and so <laughs> that makes sense. It totally makes sense with your personality. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a real quick break and then we'll quit talking about all this garbage and talk about you and your story. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks. All right. So we're back and we're back with my good friend, Asha Hasni. And um, what we want to do now, really is talk about how you came to be this Indiana girl working at Fox News um, and kind of just your background. Because I think that, um, you know, it's not something you've ever hidden, but it's also like I had to get to know you to find out some of these things. And so now I get to pull that curtain back and reveal it with some of my audience. Yeah. Well, I'll go, I'll start from the very beginning. Um, I'll go back to my roots. Um, So I come from a family of immigrants. I mean, my grandfather um, was an aristocrat. Um, and left everything behind during the partition of India and Pakistan. I don't know if people know, but, you know, Pakistan wasn't always there, not until the 1940s. And um, he and his, um, you know, my grandmother um, fled uh, religious persecution to move to this new country. They had no idea what it was going to be like. And, um, you know, they were told, bring all your deeds, bring all your papers, and we'll give you something equivalent. And well, that just never happened. So they showed up really as refugees and um, had to start from scratch. I mean, my grandfather was probably the first person in his um, family to have a job um, in a very long time. Um, But it was a, a pivotal moment that I think shaped just the trajectory of our family. Um, he was very hardworking. He had 11 children and my father is right in the middle. So he's a middle child, um, just like me. 
And um, the one thing my grandfather really instilled in all in all his kids was, um, no matter what you do, be the best at it. Like always, like strive for more. And it doesn't matter where that takes you. I just want you to do it. So it it came as no surprise that my dad decided, okay, I'm going to move my family all the way halfway across the world. And we're just going to like go for it. And we're going to, we're going to do the same exact thing that my dad did. And we're going to just start all over again. So, so my family moved here in um, the nineties, I was six years old and we moved, um, to the Midwest, <laughs> Illinois. Um, we were sponsored. We were, I know everyone's always like, how did you make, how did you wind up in the Midwest? My uncle, um, was a physician for the U.S. Navy. So he sponsored us. And uh, so it made sense to go to where they were. And that was Illinois. So my dad learned the hard way that um, none of his degrees mattered here. Um, And so he had to start really all over again and go back to school. He went to community college. I think his first job was Jack in the box. Everyone's always <laughs> shocked when they hear that he was flipping burgers. Um, and, uh, you know, from there on out, he, he got his undergrad degree and then, um, you know, now he's a, he's just an amazing engineer for general motors and builds cars. And it's just been uh, just phenomenal and brilliant. And, um, I think I get my drive and my ambition from him. Um, he's always been a big believer that girls, um, especially should never depend on anyone else. I mean, he, he taught me that growing up. He said, Aisha, I don't care who's in your life, you know, a husband or, you know, um, your, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be your brother. It's not going to be your husband. Like you're going to have to really be able to stand up on your own two feet because one day, you know, your husband could die or, you know, something could get divorced or something happens. And I don't want you to ever feel dependent on somebody. So he really instilled that in me. And I think that's probably why I'm where I am today. I mean, definitely. Right. Um, is, is just this, you know, never ending want for more, you know, and why not? I live in, I live in the country where you can do that. Right. I mean, the American dream doesn't end, you know, at the, at the nice house of picket, you know, white picket fence. It's, it's the American dream to me is that you never stop dreaming. You know, you always want more. So, yeah. You know, there's a couple of things there I want to talk about. First off, your grandfather, kind of the way he said, you know, to be the best at what you do and, and that kind of mentality I think what I love about that is my dad's from the mountains of North Georgia and he didn't leave North Georgia (laughs) for most of his life, 63 years on this earth. But the one thing he told me before I went to the Marine Corps, he said, son, I don't care if your job's cleaning toilets, make them the cleanest toilet you've ever seen because what you do with Mm. your hands reflects what's in your mind and heart and somebody will eventually notice. And it seems like your grandfather kind of put that exact same message into your dad. And it's like, it's just one of those things where, and I tell people this all the time, having unfortunately visited halfway around the world to fight wars, that at the right. end of the day, it's it's people having people problems. You know, we have vastly different cultures, but at the end of the day, we're still people. And all the positive Absolutely. things are kind of shared, too. Absolutely. I think I think we all want the best for our families. You know, we all want, um, you know, good health and um, a home and 
you know, just, just basic things, you know, that, that enrich our lives. And, and that's what my grandfather wanted for us. He didn't want, especially, you know, coming from, you know, his background, he, and my dad feels the same way. They just didn't want us living in a place where you depended on, um, relationships and who you knew. I mean, it's, it's very much like that in that part of the world, you know, you really can't make it anywhere unless you you're connected, you know, unless you know someone, unless you, unless you belong to a certain class. And while I had the opportunities, um, to be successful in that, in that country, my dad wanted us to, you know, achieve all our success, you know, through ourselves, through our, through hard work, um, and earn it, really earn it. And, um, it's funny because my dad was not very supportive in the very beginning when I said I wanted to be a TV reporter. (laughs) He was, um, he was not happy about that. Um, and, and pretty quickly, I think I convinced him because I think he realized, wow, um, she went from wanting to go shopping and, you know, hanging out with her friends all the time to all of a sudden she wants to just study all day and wants to do internships. And I was just so dedicated and committed. And he saw that change in me and he just, he was like, okay, I support you because I know you're going to, you're just going to kick ass. So I think, I think he's okay with it now. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure he's very proud actually. Um, the other thing you talked about there was the idea of an American dream, but, but the way you framed it, the way you said it was, you know, you, you just, you were learned and had to inherit to go out and want more, want to do more, want to be more. And I think like something I wanted to point out, because I haven't had a chance to really talk about this on the podcast is the American dream is kind of the vision, maybe the catalyst, but it's really the American ethos that we all have in common. Mm -hmm. And, And it's this idea that, you know, there are cultures that sleep halfway through the day. There are cultures that only work four days a week. And there are cultures that, mm-hmm. you know, have class systems and caste systems. But I think what's unique about yeah. our culture here in this country, regardless of how you get here, is essentially that the harder you work, the more you can achieve. And it's up to you how hard that is and how much you achieve. And the American dream is kind of all that coming to fruition. But it's really the ethos we have here of hey, I can work as hard as I want to, to achieve as much as I want to. And I think that you and your family kind of symbolize that to perfection. And I I love the way you put that. And I think that comes from the fact that there, that this is the land of opportunity. I mean, that is what you hear from immigrants all the time, because that is, that underscores what this country is. I mean, I wish people were more grateful for just how far this country has come and not take for granted what we have, because not everyone around the world has it. Joey, you know that. I mean, you look at our southern border right now and you ask yourself, why are people fleeing to the U.S. from all different countries? You look at places like Afghanistan and what happened in the last month and you ask yourself, you know, why are people so desperate to leave? Are we perfect? Absolutely not. I mean, we're a work in progress. I think that's what I love about this country. We have freedoms in this country. Not everyone has, but we have opportunity. You know, like you said, like it's about what you put in. Um, And I'll just throw a story in here, you know, about talking about freedoms. Um, One of my good friends, best friends is from Turkey. Um, She went to college with me at IU. um, And her father, who was the prime minister back then, sent her to the U.S., to go to school, to go to college, because at that point, girls weren't allowed to cover their hair in public universities. So she had to come here 
to go to school and to be able to practice the freedom of religion while her father was the prime minister. Can you believe that? That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about is, um, you know, we take a lot of heat for things. Um, and I'm sure there are things that we deserve, but we're a work in progress. And I just love the fact, especially sitting in the halls of Capitol, you know, the con- uh, the Capitol, I just feel, um, gosh, I don't know how to describe the feeling. I just feel so, I guess I just feel so proud because um, this is where it happens. I mean, this is where we make this country better. Um, I hope we do. I guarantee you that people like you are why this country will continue to be better. Mm, um, thank I, you. I tell people all the time, like you said, we're not perfect, but we're one of the few places that wakes up in the morning trying to be and, and asking ourselves, what can we do today um, to make life better for everyone? And um, regardless if you come from the right or from the left, I think you share that, that idea. Um, and we just kind of, as people, we argue about how we do it. And maybe as the industry of politics, we argue about how we're going to convince someone else that we might do it. But uh, that's the individual pessimist in me. But the optimist is for all 330 million of us. I think we're on a, we're in a good place. And, um, and you're a great example of it. And I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing some of your story and, uh, and being where you are right now, this moment, helping tell the truth to the world. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being my friend. I just, I'm so, so glad that, um, you know, God brought us together. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, we'll look forward to seeing your report live from the halls of Congress. (laughs) Thanks, Joey. Aisha is every bit as Indiana girl as she is a migrant from halfway around the world. And that is what the American dream is all about. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com. I'm Johnny Joey Jones, and thanks for listening.